Okay. Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of David Barmocha, Alava Shalom Lilunishma, David Ben Saada, from his wife Sylvia, children Yiga, Asher, Roni, Yossi, Nir, and Shiran, and family. As well, the week of Kobu is dedicated in loving memory and Lilunishmatem for Chana Valentina Bat Zisla and Meir Ben Shama, sponsored by the Levy family. Um, and Be'ezat Hashem, we should be zocheh to experience beautiful days, beautiful times, and, uh, and only semachot in our lives. Okay, my friends, in our parasha, we read about a certain type of korban. A korban that actually depends on how much money you make. Now that sounds very, very antithetical to the Torah's normal procedure. You don't decide that a rich guy does one mitzvah, a middle, middle guy does a different mitzvah, and a poor guy does another mitzvah. That's not what you do. Everybody has the same mitzvah. You either can do it or you can't do it. Right? But when it comes to the korban, suddenly we find that there's a mitzvah that depends on how rich or how poor you are. Isn't that interesting? So again, I'll give you another example as exactly to what I mean. Let's say I have a field and I'm a rich guy. How much of my field do I give? I give the corners. I give leket, shikha, pea. I give maaseh, 10%. All different things that I have to give. But it's exactly the same as how much the rich guy gives. He just has bigger fields. You have to give one to one out of ten animals. How much do I give five ten animals? One, which means I gave a tenth. How much do I give five a hundred animals? Ten. How much do I give? A tenth. So the measurement stick for a rich guy and a poor guy is identical. When it comes to the korban, the korban olevi yored rises and falls. In this korban, we suddenly find that there's a difference between the rich guy and the poor guy. The rich guy brings an animal, brings a, you know, cattle. The poor guy, what does he, he bring? The middle of the road guy, he brings birds. The guy who's so poor he can't afford even that, what does he bring? He brings the flour. They make it into uh, these little cakes. They, uh, they, uh, what's it called? And that becomes his minha. His gift becomes his korban. We don't find this anywhere else. Now, let's say there's an obligation uh, to bring a korban, a different type of korban. And the obligation to bring the korban is to bring an, uh, you know, a, 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 a goat. What happens if he can't afford it? Patur. You don't afford it. Honest. I don't have the money. What do you want for my life? Right? God, give me the money. <laughs> I'll give you what you want from me. This mitzvah is different. And I think that there's a tremendous lesson in this. And that is that whilst when coming to mitzvot and various things, um, there are, there's no differentiations between a rich guy and a poor guy. You can do it or you can't. When it comes to korban, when it comes to closeness to God, that's something that everybody can achieve. And in fact, that's something that we can't tell a person who has less, Hazi. You don't have it. Kirbat elokim litov. Being close to God, it's such a good thing 
for me, for you. Feeling that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us in our lives is imperative to be able to get through the most difficult times. When a person feels like their parents, they've passed away, who's with him? When a person feels like their support systems, their dear friends, they're no longer there for them, who's with them? The Pasuk says, Even when a person feels like their parents, their father, their mother have passed away, and this idea, my friends, is not only about a person whose father or mother passes. It's about a person who feels that the greatest support systems of his life have collapsed. His, what he relates to as Avi, as Imi, if they're missing these things, or they feel that they're not there for them in the way that they were, their brother, their sister, even their wife, they feel like they've lost the close support in their life. What do they have? Amunaya Asveni. So therefore the Torah needed to create a, uh, a hierarchical access point where no matter where you were on the spectrum, no matter how much you had or how little you had, the Torah says, God says, I see you, I love you, and I'm connected to you. And the little that you could bring, that's enough. I don't say that you can't bring more. Okay, honest, patur, you don't have to. It's not your fault. When you can, you will. But, beca but because a person without having this connection is lost, Hashem had to create an access point that was much smaller. The access point of even a few pennies for some flour to be able to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. My friends, and one of the things that is important to remember is that you cannot compare in certain ways the gift of the Ashir with the gift of the Ani. I want to share with you an amazing story. Rabbi, um, when he was young, Rabbi Meir Shapiro came from a family where they didn't have any money. And his mother, and his, they, they scraped together every penny, penny to penny, penny to penny, until eventually they found a way to get together the 300 rubles, which was a lot of money for them, to be able to pay a special milamed, someone to teach their child. Rameer Shapiro was a genius, absolute genius. He was already studying with great rabbis at a young age. He learned everything his rabbi could teach him, I think it was before his even bar mitzvah. They sent him to another town to study with a big Sadiq, where the guy would learn with the rabbi and his older sons and his little Idke. And what would he do in between when they were learning? This little kid, he's a genius. He would go and go play with the kids because at the end of the day, he's a little child. This great Sadiq, this great rabbi, I'd like to say, I'd like to think that there's one moment in his life that actually changed the trajectory of his life forever. You know, our rabbis tell us about the importance of powerful moments in a person's life. Asher anochim misavecha hayom that God says, I'm commanding you today. God commands a person every day. But there are days in a person's life when they feel God's command. They feel what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I need to do more. I need to do better. Everybody has had moments like that. And a person who uses those moments turns into something special, both in the world, matters of the world and in matters of Kiddushah, 
Or a person could let that moment pass by and chalas and stay mediocre, vanilla lane for the rest of his life. And I want to share what I think perhaps might have been one of the most, if not the most powerful moment in young Mayor Shapiro's life. One day, he hears crying downstairs in the house. He goes downstairs to see who's crying and who's crying, it's his mother. And he says, Ma, what's the matter? She says, you know how hard it was for us to get together the money, the 300 ruble to pay the melamed, to pay the person who's going to teach, who's going to teach you, who's going to make you grow to be a tamil chacham. He says, yes. She says, the melamed, he didn't arrive yet today, this morning. He's not here. Maybe the reason why he's not here is because 300 ruble is not enough. Maybe the reason why he's not here to teach you is because, although it was very hard for us, he says, Ma, it's so much money for our family. And his mother said, even if it's a lot for our family, maybe it's not enough to pay him. Look, he's not here. He wraps his arm around his mother and he says, Ma, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I'm sure the 300 rubles is enough. And it's true, he's not here today. But inshallah, Bezat Hashem, he'll be here tomorrow. Don't worry, don't cry. Little kid, he's telling his mother, don't cry. He's not here today, he'll be here tomorrow. And the mother continues to cry. She says, maybe he'll be here tomorrow. But what's with today? But you lost now, we lost today. And as a young child, this man Shapira understood how important Torah was to his mother and what it means to study Torah. But I think that there's something even more important in the development of this young child's mind. He realized in that minute how important it is every single day of Torah. And I don't think it's an accident that it was Rav Meir Shapira who started the idea of Daf Yomi, where every day you learn one page of Gemara, where there's no day that you don't do something. Because what's with today? Don't tell me tomorrow you're going to learn two pages. What about today? If tomorrow you learn two pages, but you could have learned the page today, then you would have had three pages. So there's no making up for a lost day. That, I think he learned that in his childhood. And the result of that is hundreds of thousands of people learning millions and millions of Dapei Gemara because a child learned a truth on that morning. What's with today? My friends, I'm going to ask you this question as well. What's with today? What are you going to study today? What misvah are you going to do today? Who are you going to compliment today? Who are you going to smile at? Which tefillah are you going to have concentration? What are, you know, what are you going to set up a learning process? Are you going to decide to do something better in your life? What's with today? I want to share one last piece. In the back of the Gemara, there's a rabbi who's called the Rashash. It's not the Rashash, Rav Shalom Sharabi. The Rashash, Rav Strashun, he was a tremendous Tamichacham. Wild. He cared only about studying Torah. He came from a wealthy family and a lot of money. And all he did and all he cared about was learning Torah. There are many stories with him, but I want to share with you just one. One day, the Rashash is studying Gemara and he has the opportunity to meet with another Torah scholar who was his equal. As smart as him, as dedicated as him. And what does the Torah scholar do when he gets to sit with another Torah scholar? He doesn't say, how about them giants? 
He doesn't say, how about them Knicks? By the way, his life is much happier because he doesn't contemplate such sad things. But he says to him, what do you think about this Gemara? I have a Gemara. I don't understand. I have a great question. I'm missing the answer. Right away, they get into it. Don't waste any time. No pleasantries. No how's the weather. Crazy weather we've been having. You come around here often. But none of that. So, you know, page 22. Baba Kama. What are your thoughts? <laughs> anyway, ask the other rabbi the question. The other rabbi, he says, I hear your question. I'd like to suggest an answer. Gives him killer answer. Rashas listens to the answer. His face falls. Devastated. Rabbi says, what do you look so sad for? I gave you the answer to your question. The Rasha says, I studied and studied and studied. I had this question. I don't understand. How could it be that you have an answer and I didn't? He was devastated over what he didn't have. Which, by the way, is a lesson in and of itself. The devastation to be upset when you don't understand. To, be, to feel broken. You, you worked and you didn't get it close a deal. How do you feel? Ah. Uh, you came to the class, you don't understand what the rabbi said. Should bother you. Eh, I'll catch the next one. What about today? Rabbi, I don't understand. What do you mean? What does that mean? Explain. I missed what you said when you said ka'asher on Shabbat. That there's two ka'ashers. What do you mean? Ask the question. Come nudge. My friends. But that's not the lesson. He asked the rabbi, how could it be that you thought of it? We're the same. And the rabbi said, you know what the difference is between you and I? He says, you grew up rich. He says, what's different? What does that mean? He says, you can't compare the Torah that was studied in poverty to the Torah that was studied in comfort. You can't compare the Torah that was studied in poverty to the Torah that was studied in comfort with riches. You, you didn't worry where lunch was coming from. You didn't worry about tomorrow morning. You didn't worry about if you could pay the milamed. You had no fears. You sat, you learned, and you know what? Everything came in. But Torah is not just an intellectual pursuit. It's a spiritual acquisition. Again, Torah is not an intellectual pursuit. It is a spiritual acquisition. And I paid more. Because we suffered for it. So therefore, this bit of the Gemara that you can't understand... We're the same, but my Torah is better. I understand it, because I studied when I was poor. Rav Meir Shapiro said about this story, he says the Gemara says, Be careful from the children of the poor. Because from them Torah will come out. Why will Torah come out from the children of the poor? You know what the answer is? Because they study Torah in difficulty. My friends, you do not have to be poor to have this possibility. There's many ways that you could achieve this idea. It's not about the money. They say about Rav Moshe Feinstein that he would never sit when he was studying on a chair that had a back. Why? So you shouldn't feel comfortable and lean back on the chair. This is not for me and you. He would sit on a bench, so there's no back. All he could do is lean forward. Now, I'll give you an example for this. When I give classes, I give classes in other people's houses. So a lot of times they give you a big fat armchair, and that's the one you're sitting in. And it's a chair like this, you get into, you sit, you sink into the chair like this, okay? 
like I'm by the fire smoking a pipe. Okay? I can't teach Torah like that. The Torah that you teach like that, I don't know if you're hearing, I don't know if you're getting this if you're on the audio, okay? Let me just describe. I'm leaning full back in a big giant chair like I'm smoking a pipe, okay? Like I'm watching the fire. Like I just told the Chedame to go get me, you know, a, a hot cocoa with two marshmallows. Yeah? You can't teach Torah like that. I always ask them for a chair from the dining room. Let me sit. When I'm teaching, I'm sitting like this. Half my apple off the chair. Like I'm ready to pounce. Like I'm ready to attack. Because that's what teaching Torah has to be. Teaching Torah is not about being comfortable. It's about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. They suffered for their Torah. When you're studying and your head hurts, that's the Torah of Anim. When the class is going and it's already 9-11, not the date, the time, okay? And you think to yourself, how is it possible that we prayed from 7.30 to 8.30 on a regular weekday? That should not be possible. We make, we make it rain in this shul. Anything's possible here. And then you think to yourself, I got to run. But now there's breakfast in the class downstairs with some Torah. And you're thinking, oh, it's 9.12 now. Rabbi keeps talking about the time, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> you're uncomfortable, it's late, you stayed, 2x. You didn't quite understand, you emailed the rabbi, asked him what he meant, trying to understand, 3x. You have a headache, and the rabbi is screaming, and there's an echo in the basement, 4x. You got me. I always remember the Ben Yishchai talks about the value of learning Torah on Shabbat. He says a person studies Torah on Shabbat, every word of Torah that he says is worth a thousand. And I always think, is there anything sweeter on Shabbat afternoon than taking a nap? You just finish your meal, give me that chair back with the marshmallows, that's when I need the chair, sit in the chair, four seconds, out cold. But then, Yishtabach <laughs> Shemo, three o'clock in the afternoon, three minutes after you ate your hameen, it's just barely getting settled in your stomach. You look at your watch, Rabbi Shabbat afternoon class, 3 p.m. Shema Yisrael, Amunai Elokeinu, Amunai Echad. You're going to get up out of the armchair? You're going to propel yourself out? We learn from this pasuk, we learn that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, your bull that costs you 600, I don't know how much, $900. How much does a, a cow cost today? More. Can't be. Only one steak over here costs $100. Right? I think a cow costs a couple thousand dollars. Someone's going to email me or WhatsApp me after this class. They'll tell me the price of a cow. Okay? <laughs> I have a great network. Yishtabach Shemo. I mentioned IBS and the people listening. I got one article about G that cures it from a special man in Las Vegas. I got another article about the newspaper that maybe it's something else from someone here from our, an avid listener and commenter from New York. And yesterday arrived at my house from a Sadeket, a juicer with a book on how to juice my way to health. shemo. <laughs> we have the best community of listeners. They listen, they care, they want to help, okay? Amazing. So I'm sure someone will tell us how we can buy a cow. But your tooth, 
your $2,000 cow is worth less than the two-penny bit of flour and oil that the guy brought. Because he suffered for it. My friends, when God sees a person pushing themselves beyond their comfort zone, that bumps up the mitzvah already a million times. And I think a lot of times, I always point this out, we're obsessed with the idea of giving a big mitzvah. So we'll give $100,000. We'll give $10,000. We'll push ourselves $1,000. But we gave the big mitzvah in a small way. As opposed to giving a small mitzvah in a big way. The ani gives a couple of pennies. But the magnification of the discomfort level that he's on turns his couple of pennies into something huge. And the ashir who gives it like this, easy, it just fell off the truck, and he doesn't even notice, it's not important. He has to look for ways to leverage and magnify his mitzvot so they aren't only the size of what he gave. Hashem should bless us in all that we do to always be uncomfortable, to always be pushing ourselves to the max that we can. Whether it's discomfort mentally, whether it's discomfort physically, I remember when I give a ladies' class, and in the ladies' class, I was talking about Berachot, and at the end of the class, one of the ladies raised her hands, and she said, Rabbi, I did not know that there was other Berachot. I thought the only Berachah that you make is a Berachah on bread, Friday night. She also knew about the Kiddush, but she says, I know about the bread. She said, I didn't know you make a Berachah on fruit, on kak, on other things. I didn't know. I said, you didn't know about this Berachah? Anyone here? Does anyone here need to learn about So she raised her hand, this lady. I said, you know, after the class, I'm going to tell you what the Berachah for all the items on the table is. I'll give you a quick rundown. What the Berachot are for things that you put in your mouth, what you eat. Who stayed? All the ladies in the class stayed. So one lady raised her hand and said, admitted, I don't know the Berachot. Everyone else, Yani, knows the Berachot. But then when I tell them the Berachot, oh, you only have to stay if you don't know them. Who stays? Everybody stays. So what does that mean? Everybody was the same. It just took one person who had the guts to raise their hand and say, I don't know. How uncomfortable is it to say, I don't know? It's uncomfortable. I need help. How uncomfortable? Rabbi, I want to say Kaddish. I don't know how to read it. Could you help me? I come to synagogue, Rabbi. You know why I come late? I don't know which way to hold the book. I always feel embarrassed. That's why I come late. I'm up Shabbat morning, 6 a.m. I could be here, but I know that if I'm sitting there, they're going to call on me. And if they call on me, I have to say, eh. but I don't know how to read. It's, it's uncomfortable. You don't know how to read? Ask. That's the Torah of Anim. You want to study Gemara? but you don't know how. We have three different Gemara classes. I have one Gemara class that everyone's reading along in English. We finished half of Masechet already. Get on board. Get with the program. And you know what? If you think to yourself, oh, you know, soon. I'll do it in the summer. I'll do it next month, next year. What about today? What'd you do with today? Hashem should bless us always to, to live and to relish the feeling of pushing our bodies. 
Now, I think you guys are thinking that I'm nuts. What's the rabbi talking about? Be uncomfortable? Was he crazy? Who wants to be uncomfortable? We live in a world which is designed for comfort. You don't have to do anything. You never have to do anything. Everything, you just push a button, comes to you. Right? What do we start with? First you start with, you, sw- you push the button, you get a cab. You push the button, you get a this. Now you swipe, you have a date. You swipe again, right? it's Majnoon. You used to be able to shop online, wow, I could get groceries. But now, the groceries, they come before you even finish cooking. I was making chameen last week, we didn't have barley for the chameen. My wife ordered it, I did not yet finish, I'm not a hero by the way, it was the one week my wife was away, okay? So slow down. Within, within the five minutes, I had barley at my door. This is how comfortable we are today. So our technology and life is taking us closer and closer and closer and closer to comfort. Meanwhile, the Torah is trying to say, you're ruining, 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 ruining the human experience. You're getting more and more time, yes, you're just spending it on something else, stupid. Okay? My friends, I'll give you an example, and this will, where this will end, where you already understand and appreciate the value of being uncomfortable. It's one word, three letters. Gym. You go to the gym. You have a great workout. You come back, you feel great. You went to the gym and you did nothing. How do you feel about that workout? You went bloated. You lifted, eh, you didn't lift so much. You're upset, you're uncomfortable because you were too comfortable. You went to play basketball, you didn't run so much. You didn't shoot so much. You didn't play, after two seconds you were out of breath. Now you're uncomfortable being comfortable. That's when you see these things in other areas of your life, you learn how to adapt them and implement them in Torah. You know, is it easier to not have a job and stay home all day and do nothing? Very easy. But we're uncomfortable when we're too comfortable. Because deep down, we know we were designed as humans to stretch ourselves and to push ourselves and to have the Torah of the poor. The Torah, the mitzvot of the poor. Hashem should bless us to outstrip even our wildest expectations of ourselves. Baruch Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Charanya.